Welcome to the Crazy Heart of Art. My name is Francisca. I am your host. And in this podcast, we explore how to get out of your head into your heart. What has it to do with art? And what is art? Today, we have the profound pleasure to have as a guest on our first podcast, Sanika Firestarter Street. We're going to have an amazing conversation. He's going to share with us what a fire starter is. We talk about responsibility of art. And he will also share a beautiful Obono Bono prayer at the end. So make sure you stay till the end. And with no further ado, here is Sanika. Yay, we're ready to go. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. And as we started the conversation before, what I'm really curious about is, Sanika, how did you become a fire starter? And what is a fire starter? Well, thank you, Francesca. And I'm really honored to be guest numero uno as well. To your question, how did I get the name Firestarter? I got the name Firestarter when I was refinding myself. I did a keynote talk and then I was doing a lot of keynote speaking. And a friend of mine who really famous uh, musician and producer and inventor and serial entrepreneur came up to me after I did the talk and he said, he's British. So he's like, I think you're great, Mike. <laughs> he's like, I know that's probably like an Australian accent, but he's like, I think you're great. But he's like, my hope, I think we can get you from great to excellent and then from excellent to transcendent. I was like, well, sign me up. I was like, <laughs> Where do they do that? <laughs> so, so I hopped on a, a call very similar to this. It was like one of my first coaching calls. And he said, tell me what you do. And I said, oh, I'm a coach and I'm a speaker and I'm a storyteller. And then he said, no, 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 no. He said, those are modalities. He said, tell me what you do. And I was like, dude, I have no idea how to answer this question <laughs> at all. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> So I'm sitting there, he's just looking at me silent and I'm sitting there just sort of mumbled. I was like, I think I start fires in people. And then he goes, oh, so you're a fire starter. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. What I've come to realize is that one of the first human innovations was the discovery of control fire. Fire revolutionized the world. Without fire, we would not be able to travel because we, heat would not be portable, nor light. Fire changed our ability to evolve by killing foodborne illness. Right. So now we didn't have parasites from animals or meat as much. And so fire literally revolutionized the way that we exist on this planet. And the first tribal leaders and the shamans and the people brought us all around the fire. You know, those first leaders of our time were the people that started the fire. So those were the fire starters. So at a core level, it's really about leadership. It's about literally starting the fire. And a client of mine said this the other day, he said, when some people think about the fire starter, they think about you lighting a fire under their ass, like to motivate. And he said, the way that I see the fire starter is more like a torchbearer, like a leading the way. And so I, I really appreciate both concepts. I do light a fire under the ass and I do light a fire with the intention of leading the way. But it's more about finding the leader and the fire within the pilot light so that you can start and move into whatever it is that you need to move into. I really love that. When you say that, what I see about you is you are the type of leader in a pack of wolves. I don't know if you're aware that. As a nature photographer, I study animals a lot, so I know what they do so I can find them and things. And one of part of the wolves is the leader of the wolves is in the back. And the reason he walks in the back is because he leaves no one behind. I'm very much in line with that. And when you're talking about that 
who you are as a fire starter and you start a fire from within. That's what I see. Somebody that brings humanity forward in a very powerful way. And probably sometimes with people are not even necessarily totally realizing it at the time. When I met you a couple of days ago, I mean, <laughs> this is my first real conversation with you. I just met you on the podcast seminar with Fred Moss that I'm on. And I could tell this, like, I want to talk to that guy. Because he's somebody who has something to say. For lack of words, something that's not just the regular conversations. First of all, thank you for that. I, I very much receive it. I really love the concept of leading from behind. And there are definitely different distinctions in terms of the way that we get to lead. There are many people have very deep misconceptions about what leadership actually is. And many people, they think of leadership from a projection. They think of leadership as dictatorial. And the idea is, oh, well, I'm going to lead from the front. I'm going to dictate what things need, how things need to occur. And that is the way that I will lead. And the truth of the matter is that leadership is about consensus building at every step of the way. That leadership is about the accomplishment of a shared vision, as opposed to you accomplishing your vision um, with others around you. To me, it's about enrollment. It's about being responsible for the collective visions of the group and making sure that everybody gets to where it is that they're looking to go. So I very much receive the idea of leading from behind because that's sometimes what's necessary. And sometimes you got to lead from the front and sometimes you got to lead from the middle. But the idea is, is that you're nimble enough and flexible enough to know where you need to be and how you need to lead. And sometimes leadership is shutting the fuck up. It literally is. It's like literally just not you go. And when you go, you will bump your head, but I'm okay with it because I know that that's what's going to happen and be wobbly for a little bit, but you're going to find your legs and you're going to be able to move. So I very much receive standing in that space as well. I love that. That's really powerful. Now, the other question that I had for you is, um, as I kind of shared with you before, I recently saw this in the beginning of a movie called Where Do You Go, Bernadette? And it's about an artist. She's lost on her way. And at the end of the movie, she finds her way again. And the movie starts... There's a conversation that the brain is a discounting mechanism. And the way she describes it in the movie is like, it's about this shiny object that you got to have. It's now the first couple of days, it's cool. And then a week later, it's, oh yeah, there is my little toy car or whatever it was. And then a year later, it's, oh yeah, that's that little car I got a year ago. The conversation is that it is from the past. When we ran away from sable-toothed tigers and all the threats in our lives, since we don't really have that in our lives as much, what would it be like to transform that? And in terms of being artists, and part of what the podcast is about is that we're influenced by art, consciously or unconsciously, continuously, everywhere. So if I look around my room, everything is created every single thing. I would love to get an idea and a perspective from you as an artist. I've seen you, like I've, as we talked a little bit before we started a podcast about your videos, you know, you make some really powerful videos. How do you see that if it comes from that perspective? How can in changing, maybe changing the world is not the right word, in moving the world forward and those big power conversations that we're in right now, like climate change and which is kind of very popular right now. But how do you use, how can we as artists use art to make a difference in the world? Ooh, this is a loaded one. And I want to give you a really authentic download from, so I want to talk about the brain. I want to talk about, you know, moving the world forward. And I want to talk about creationism. So 
One of the first places that I come from in terms of any work that I do, wake up in the morning, move in the world is the realization is I operate from a space called radical responsibility. Have you heard of that before? Kind of, but not really. Okay. Do you want to like elaborate a little bit for the listeners so they know what you mean by that? I operate from radical responsibility means that I accept responsibility and ownership for the fact that I create my feelings, my emotions, my actions, my reactions, my thoughts, right? So I am the catalyst for all things created. There's a distinction between an, an occurrence and a creation. So there is a trip and I fall. That's an occurrence. What ends up being created is my perception of what just happened and the assignment of meaning about what just happened. So if I accept responsibility for the fact that the occurrence happened, because what because the idea is that tripping and falling is going to mean two different things to two different people. It's going to have a different meaning across the board. So nothing has the same meaning to two different people. So when I trip and I fall, I decide what I am either consciously or subconsciously, mostly subconsciously, what I believe occurred. And so when we talk about the idea of creating, the first thing that I have to come in to realize is that I am creating the world that I live in. I am creating my own perception of the world. So when we talk about creation, many times we think about it from an external standpoint and we think about, oh, you know, this beautiful piece of art or this sculpture or this musical creation. And I am also creating my meaning of it as well. So many people talk about the idea of semantics. They go, you know, well, that's just semantics, right? And I said, guess what? You don't even know what semantics means. Semantics is the branch of linguistics that deals with meaning. Everything is semantics. Everything. Absolutely. Because humans are meaning-making machines, aren't we? We are meaning-making machines. So we are assigning meaning every step of the way, consciously or subconsciously. So I am creating my existence in real time. I am creating you. I am creating who I perceive you to be. And many people who are listening to this will be creating me, who they believe I am to be as well. And so in that context, how is my brain informing my creation? How are my thoughts informing my creation? That's why we need to be in the process, because speaking to what you were talking about, the brain being a discounting machine, what is the primary responsibility of your brain, Francis? Well, partly to run my body. That's it, to keep you alive. That is it. It is to keep you alive. And somehow, over time, we have convinced ourselves that our brains are these pontificating, intelligence-creating. We have gone to this place where our brain is going to transcend us into some otherworldly status. But the reality is that every step of the way, your brain's responsibility is to keep you alive. And so what happens is that as I am creating my reality, my thoughts, my emotions, my actions are creating the reality that I am currently in. And what I didn't realize is that I was creating a reality of being unworthy. I was creating a reality in my own life of being limited. I was creating a reality of I'm not ready. I was creating a reality of I'm not good enough. I was creating a reality of being abandoned, being rejected, and, and all of those different things. So in many ways, those were my, some of my biggest creations. Some of, those are some of my greatest hits, <laughs> those limiting beliefs. Because the idea is that as I, my brain was also saying to me that if you step beyond where you currently are or what you currently know, that you will receive it like a saber-toothed tiger. So your brain cannot tell the distinction between a real threat and a perceived threat. Your body registers them in the same way. So my body is registering success like a saber-toothed tiger. My body is registering a loving, committed relationship 
like a pack of wolves attacking me because all I knew was inadequate relationships, limited emotional scope and capability, and the inability to be able to fully receive their love. And the reality is that I was creating all of that within myself. So the opportunity as artists that I believe that we have is to use your brush and to paint a different possibility by reforming your thoughts. Your thoughts are the colors. Your thoughts are the words that you scribe onto paper. Your thoughts are the notes in the music. That's what your thoughts are. And the canvas is the world. So my responsibility as an artist is to retrain and to refine the quality of those colors, to refine the quality of those words, to refine the quality of those notes, to make sure that when I paint my brush, that I am painting a brush of the greatest possibility of what I have the capacity to be able to create in this world. And I am not holding myself back from delivering my gift into the world at the same rate. That is my responsibility as an artist. And that, when I refine my own capacity, that is what moves the world forward. Because through my way of being, I have the ability to transmit something greater than my own preconceived limitations or possibility. Wow. I am so touched and moved right now. It's almost like you looked inside of me. When you're saying success is like the saber-toothed tiger, I can really partly see that for myself, you know, when I get stopped. I was having a conversation with my graphic designer and we were talking about some of the, when some work and she was telling me, she's in the, uh, the, the Philippines and she's more than a graphic designer. She does all of our design and branding and everything. Like that. And she was saying, when I, was ha- when I have a bad day, What I do is I say, not even every day, in her ritual practice every day, she does something called the Hopanopano prayer. Have you heard of it before? Uh, No. The Hopanopano prayer is, I forgive you. I'm sorry. Thank you. I love you. It is a prayer that you say to yourself. So, So when you are going through a moment where you are challenged or hearing that evil twin sister, or even in the space where you are trying to litigate the past, right? Trying to reframe the past or to reform the past, which obviously is impossible, but we challenge ourselves with our beautiful intellectual brain sometimes to go into the past and to change it because we are these magnificent creatures. <laughs> but, and it's still impossible, even to this day, <laughs> to change the past. Maybe that's so, a good thing. Right. It is definitely a good thing. But the idea is that we've gotten to this place where we are in this space where we go trying to change the past, trying to demonize ourselves in these moments. And that prayer has been really powerful. I've adopted it. So I actually say it to myself. I forgive you. I'm sorry. Thank you. I love you. As a tool to transition out of those limiting beliefs and to transition into new possibilities. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love that. One of the practices that I took on recently is before I fall asleep is something not quite as deep as yours. I love that even more was I forgive everything and everyone. I forgive everything. Just practicing totally filling my body with white light and relaxing. Just kind of as I go to sleep, say it over and over again. Yeah. I love it. It's simple and it makes a difference. And I would also invite people to form a deeper understanding about what forgiveness really is. Forgiveness is not about, let me tell you what it is about. To forgive is to let go, right? It's not about forgiving the other person or anyone who we feel has wronged us. It's about letting go of the memory. Can you 
challenge yourself to let go of the memory of the wrong and to shift into another possibility for yourself. That's my invitation to everyone who is listening. This has been beautiful. Thank you. As I kind of researched you to my homework practicing, there was one thing that I saw on your Facebook, and that was that thoughts are language of the brain and feelings are language of the body. Yes. And I thought maybe like in closing conversation, this would be something really beautiful to just kind of speak to a tiny bit. At a foundational level, the thoughts are the language of the brain, feelings are the language of the body. At a foundational level, we are emotional creatures. And many men have deeply preconceived misconceptions about what emotionality is. And women as well, but just in different capacities. We all have these misconceptions about. And so sometimes we label emotions as things like, uh, so we think of, oh, you know, I'm emotional, I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm joyful, everything. The foundation of our entire existence is our emotional state. Because your emotions represent your state of being. Your emotions are not just about sadness, joy, happiness are the labels. Those are the words that we have assigned to it. Let me tell you what emotion really is. Emotion is a chemical cocktail that is occurring when your body at any given moment and period of time based on the environmental circumstance that you are currently moving through and your perception of the environmental circumstance. It is a chemical cocktail, dopamine, epinephrine, cortisol. Those are the chemicals that are currently running through your body. And what many people are not aware of, and I deal with men, and so the idea is that what many men are not aware of is the chemical cocktail that is running through your body at any given period of time and the language that you need to use to assign to it. It is very important to be able to come into the awareness of what you are feeling, because if you are aware and you can label with words, and that's a component of emotional intelligence, using, using emotion words, if I can label my emotions, then I can change my physical body. I can help to transition my physical state. So if I am angry, okay, wow, that means that I got adrenaline running through me right now. There is a massive amount of adrenaline that is currently running through me, physical, chemical that is running through my body. And so that is the thoughts, the language of the brain, feelings are, are the language of the body. I am feeling. So what are you feeling? I am feeling uh, an elevate. I'm, I'm feeling uh, amped. I'm feeling high intensity. I'm feeling excited. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling all these different things. But that's a representation of the feeling. The thought that is connected to the feeling is what we are trying to reform. So I'll give you a perfect example. When many people feel anger, they associate anger with violence. Anger is an emotion. Anger is not inherently violent. Some people go inward and they're quiet. Some people yell and scream. But what happens is that when we train our thoughts to say to ourselves, if I am angry, my thought is I need to be violent then that becomes my way of being. Anger, violence, and then my action then becomes being violent. So what we need to do is to retrain the way that we respond to the emotion as well, to create a new habit around the emotion, to create a new possibility around what the emotion is. And so we can come to the awareness that the emotion is the feeling. That feeling is the emotion itself, that I am angry. The thought is there's something on my heart that needs to be spoken or said. There's some aspect of myself that feels unexpressed unheard or unseen. So instead of I need to move into violence, the thought action relationship becomes, oh, you know, what I need to do is I need to go into curiosity. I need to start asking questions of myself and asking questions of the other people. There's a really powerful distinction between identity and behavior. It's really important. But one of the most important things that I experienced is that if you can transition yourself to realizing that you are not your thoughts, you are not your actions, that the, at the essence of who you are is a loving, beautiful human soul, 
then you can transform any behavior. So if your normal thought response is your behavior is violence, you can retrain it because it's only a behavior. But if you think that your thoughts are who you are, then it makes it harder to transform. The thoughts are the language of the brain. Feelings are the language of the body component means that the emotional body is what's happening when you go through any kind of perception. What we want to do is we want to retrain our thoughts so that the actions that are come as a result of it get us to where it is that we're looking to go. Did that answer your question? Yes, it did. And you know what? Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Thank you for your time. And thank you for all the wisdom that you brought to us. And I Absolutely. hope we have many more of these awesome conversations with you in the future. Indeed. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me.